Ocean churning story. Samudra Manthanam. And some people say Kshira Sagara Manthanam. Uh, and I'll tell you the reason for that. But I thought we can do that story because that story is really a fantastic allegory into the whole tradition and into uh, it bridges both Dharmakanda and Jnanakanda. Uh, and it's a fantastic bridge and it's, it's really a, a, a lovely allegory about the purpose of life in the Hindu tradition. Very, very, uh, you know, wonderful. Story is very straightforward. And there are many, many components to the story. And uh, so the story is very, very straightforward and very easy to understand. Durvasa is, is the cause of this story. What did he do? You know, he was uh, walking around happily because he had meditated for a change. People like Durvasa may be having trouble meditating. But on an exceptionally good meditation day, he was thrilled. And uh, he was just going in a trance. You know, one of those good days where you go around, and when you go around, what do you do? You feel like saying, oh, you want money? Take money. You want my time? Here is my time. You want to smile? Here it is because I feel so benevolent. I'm ready to give anything. He was in that mood. And he was in a, in a state of ecstasy. Then he went and he, he was, as he was on his walk, he started to see things. What did he see? He, he could see other lokas. So the one loka that he saw was Gandharva loka. There, all the apsaras, Gandharvas were, uh, what were they doing? They were just uh, weaving celestial garlands and playing with the garlands. And he saw the garland of celestial flowers. And he just in playfully stretched his hand. And the, the, you know, Yaksha, Gandharva, whoever, Kindara, one of those uh, beings, threw it into his hand, the Apsara, threw it into his hands, just like that. So he got a, what is that? Present. Huh? He got a celestial garland. Oh, yeah. He got a celestial garland of all things. We are not even able to, you know, Idrishi Mala, we are not even able to see anywhere. And he got this kind of a special garland because he had that sight. He was just in a very, we are talking of Durvasa. Okay. Yeah. So this uh, fantastic experience he had. And he was still high on the experience. And the next person he saw was Indra. Mounted on Airavata. And then what happened was that he, uh, he, he just thought he was in a playful mood, very benevolent and generous mood. And even though it was a rare garland of celestial flowers, what did he do? He threw it and he threw it at Indra. But his aim was not that great. It went and fell on the, in, in front of the eyes and the forehead of the poor elephant Airavata. 
and elephants are touchy creatures uh, they cannot you know they cannot handle the certain scents you have to be very very careful yeah of certain scents and all these things and then it, it uh, caused the it was near the eyes it must have caused a pollen allergy and the animal got very angry and tore took the trunk removed the flower from its uh, tusk and the head and then they crashed it to the ground then what happened inevitably what else will happen durvasa means he will get angry and he did not uh, he, he he did not fail to surprise us you know he did not fail to not surprise us so uh, it was a very underwhelming incident that he got angry and then what did he do he just you know yeah he was ready to curse indra and of course getting down from an elephant takes time yeah because you can't just suddenly it's not like a tricycle a child's tricycle you can get off of easily yeah, or a chair this is a huge thing so he took some time to come he got even more angry by the time he came down and he just caught hold of his feet and you know pressed his forehead on his feet and he said i'll do anything whatever you want i'll do you please do not you know curse and he said too bad the curse has already formed in my mind even though i have not done uchcharana means i have not expressed it but it is already formed in my mind and what is the curse the curse is you know you think you are strong indra is balam with all the strength of uh, that airavata stands for strength and so with you and your vidyut with your fancy lightning uh, you know vajra all these things you think you are great i would just reduce you to what helplessness and if i reduce you to helplessness that's not enough because i'm still angry all the devas that you command and you control all of them will be devoid of strength and they will be so weak and they are not able to do the favorite job of devas they will no longer be able to do what is the favorite job of devas huh? fighting with asuras yeah what else do they do anywhere you look what are the devas doing fighting some battle with some asura so their favorite pastime and something that is needed for world stability that is taken away from them totally taken away from them and they are all just going to bed immediately because they are all so tired all the time everyone has you know some kind of a fatigue and a weakness and the muscle weakness they are you know just like uh, arjuna in the first chapter of the bhagavad gita what does he say gandivam stram sate hastat the gandiva is slipping from my hand and just like this you know it was slipping from his hand because he was panicky and sweaty palm but here even their own ayudhas they could not carry all their gadas and everything had to be kept down because they were so very tired weak helpless and then you know in such situations who do you approach ha huh? mahavishnu who else yeah certain things we should know because this is a repetitive scheme of things who else you can approach mahavishnu only you will approach yeah because even when shiva gives boons to you know uh, what undeserving fellows everyone goes to mahavishnu so save us from this fellow so like this 
they approached Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu said, well, you know, the thing is that, uh, you know, what he did is not, uh, is not wrong, he said. All the devas, devatas were getting, devatas doesn't mean gods, the various functionaries and the celestial beings of various other, you know, parallel universes. And uh, in one such universe is called Devaloka. So people, inhabitants of that universe, we are talking about celestials. And so they had no, uh, what's this thing? They just uh, had a, uh, they had it coming, uh, Vishnu said. He says, I'll talk to Durvasa and have him mitigate it. Because no use talk, you talking, because you try. Nothing has happened. So I must mention that this, uh, this story is the oft-quoted story. It's there in every single, you know, uh, thing that we study. Like it is there in Ramayana, one version of it. Okay. It is there in Mahabharata, famous story of ocean journey, which we all know. And then it is there in the Linga Purana. It is there in uh, what, Vishnu Purana. It is, uh, it is there in Srimad Bhagavad. Yeah, it is there everywhere. There is slightly different, different versions. So which version is the story? It's a hodgepodge of all of them. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, this way we can have fun. So it's a little, what is that? Uh, it's like a buffet of all the versions. <laughs> so that we can just enjoy. So then in one version, Vishnu goes to Gurvasa and, you know, says, okay, I owe you one. I'll give you something. Don't worry. And uh, I will, you know, uh, I will do something for you. But you just don't take it. You can't take it back. We know. Mitigate it a little bit. Kuch karo. Do something. And Durvasa says, okay. When, you know, all this time, what have they been doing? Fighting the Asuras. Now I want them to become friends with the Asuras. And work with the Asuras to get... You know, the elixir of life. What is that? Amrita, Amritam. And then what will happen? Then they will be released from this curse. They will get their strength back. Because they will, they will truly be immortal. Nothing will come, you know, in their way. Now, you know, Asura, the, the Devas revolted because the thought of have they making friends with the Asuras was a revolting thought. That's why they revolted. They said, this is ridiculous. We don't want to do this. And then they were told, okay, you either lie in bed all the time or you, you, you have to do this right now. And then they said, okay. And then, you know, and then the story moves forward. Where is Amrita? Well, it's at the bottom of this great ocean. A turbid ocean, a restless ocean, a huge ocean. And then what? What do you have to do to get it? You have to churn the ocean. Yeah, you can't bring your little lassi sticks from home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lassi sticks means what? You can maybe, you know, make lassi for four people or maybe ten people. That's not going to work. Here you need a big churning rod. Okay, let's see stick from a from a wedding uh, or whatever, chow tree. No, that also will not work. 
and so what they what did the devas do they got help from the asuras to break off this mandara mountain they just use a mount piece of the mountain they broke off and in the ramayana ramayana is very animal friendly it's fantastic that way it is vanara friendly and uh, you know it is very very animal friendly in the ramayana version there are at least uh, i think uh, 17 18 verses talking about how everything ran helter skelter all the animals were so disturbed and then the uh, what uh, what happened you know so because their house was broken apart families of animals were broken apart some were grieving some did not even have time to say goodbye and some were upset and some you know some mothers were separated from baby deer you know like this very beautifully it's written and the others uh, you know in the other version they could care less they just say okay they broke the mount meru and took it and so they took it and put it in the middle of the ocean and it has to be big enough so it sticks out you can't have a sinking stick it has to stick out then what you need a journey rope correct yeah you need a rope and i think that's how the imagery of rope snake came because the first snake that was used as a rope let's <laughs> say it's called aropa <laughs> yeah first snake in the you know in the history of human kind to be used as a rope no wonder we get confused you know is this rope is this snake you know what is it you know this that that is how this whole snake rope metaphor metaphor has an abiding presence in vedanta shastra probably because of mr vasuki uh, that was his name very big python huge because for the churning rod to work it has to at least be worn two three times one time is not enough so imagine this mountain and then this whole ocean and then you can imagine to be wound around the mountain two and a half three times and then have enough to be used as a uh, rope on either side how big it must have been this snake and in some versions in the linga purana it says that vasuki did not agree in the beginning and he had to be uh, dragged kicking and screaming and he was somehow deployed nobody cared but in other versions you know uh, he agreed after after you know thinking about it and you know deciding okay he should help the devas he should he should uh, he has no reason not to help the devas and then he finally agrees so nonetheless whether he agreed or not willingly in some versions and unwillingly in another version he was what conscripted to be the churning rope turning rope snake okay yeah and then he wound him around and then and then what indra went to the asuras because now he had to make because these fellows are not having any strength to churn and the asuras are all strength used for all bad things adharmic things and so he went on a begging spree to the asuras what is it why have you come you know and by this time the news you know such news spread very quickly 
Yeah, they all knew that these asuras, these devas, if you do food, they will all follow, follow over, they are so weak. <laughs> yeah, they all knew. And uh, so they were, they started to make fun of Indra. He says, no, 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 I come in peace. Yeah, of course. You are almost in pieces. That's why you come in peace. What are you going to do? You, you, you have no buddhi and you have no uh, strength. You are weak. And because you are so weak, this is what it is. We can eat you up right now. But since you are carrying a white flag, we will hear what you have to say. Because there are some rules about when to eat people, even in the asuras. <laughs> when to have lunch and what kind of people to not have for lunch. Yeah, you know. So it is, there is some rule, not like this movie they made apparently Hannibal or something like that. Yeah, yeah he would eat anyone and uh, not like that. Yeah, Asuras are, you know, they have also their own code. Yeah, it, it may not be the greatest, I mean, you don't want to emulate their dharmic code, but still there are some things, uh, you know, like even in the warfare, there are certain rules, you know. Ashastrapani, somebody who is unarmed, you cannot uh, kill. And you cannot kill at certain times. You cannot kill in certain places. So like this also, when to have lunch, when not to have lunch, who to have lunch for, with, you know, all this, there are some, some quotes. And so he said, I'm coming as an emissary in peace. So they allowed him to talk. Even though they might have kept the cauldron boiling just in case, you know, <laughs> to put him there. But, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they allowed him to talk. So then he spoke to the king of Asuras and then he said, that he, he, he made his case, look, you know, this is a, this is a big crunch and uh, we need your help. Yeah, like you need our help. Why do you need our help? We don't, we don't need you. No, we don't want this. And uh, no, no, we really need your help because we want Amritam. Where is it? It is at the bottom of the ocean. How will it come up? We have to churn the ocean. Will we get some Amritam? And here he crossed his, you know, fingers, toes, eyes and nose and said, yes, yes. You, <laughs> you will all get Amritam. We had no intention of giving. Yeah. Because you can't uh, give the gift of immortality to adharmic people. Yeah. And more about that later. So he said, no. Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, sure. You know. And then what happened? And Mahavishnu had warned him that when you go, don't promise them anything. You just say yes, yes to whatever they say. But even if you promise them, I'm not going to give Amritam to them because they don't deserve it. Okay, no problem, he said. And then what happened? Then, uh, you know, the, the negotiations continued. So what is the mountains? Yeah, you half of you already helped us to get this mountain. The other half, we want all of you to come here. What is the rod? Okay, Vasuki. And, and then Indra tricks them here. Indra says, you know, only the bravest, the most valiant, the most courageous, and the most strong, because the rope has to be held from both the sides, will hold the rope near the head of the snake. Only the most courageous ones, only the most brave ones, only the most valiant, the strong ones, only the most macho ones will be near the head. You know, only losers will hold the tail. Yeah, Indra too. 
and they started to jump up and down. Of course, we are at the head. We we want the head of the snake. We want the head of the snake. Yeah, yeah. Please take it because you are helping us so much. You please take the head of the snake. And then the journey starts. And then it says in in one Purana, I forget which one, because so many versions I was uh, looking at. In one of the Puranas, it says that the, the journey continued without any action for sixty thousand years. Yeah, sixty years we say is one avartanam of all the various years, and so multiply the by that by you know thousand sixty thousand years. They turned and turned and turned and turned and turned and turned. Did nothing happen. Only thing is, Vasuki was having a hard time. Naturally, <laughs> yeah, you know, because he was on a <laughs> he was on a unplanned slimming uh, whatever you know program. Yeah, where his tummy was constantly being, uh, you know, yeah, poor thing became very thin, and not only that, he was very poisonous. And each time you pulled at his tail and pulled at his head, he would go, his, or even breathe. Poor thing. Maybe he was not even hissing, but the breathe breath sounded like a hiss. And then that that breath of Vasuki was so toxic that every time a few asuras fell down, fadar fadar fadar, they would fall down. And then they had some hanky had to be. Applied, and some smelling salts had to be applied. Some, uh, you know, antitoxins had to be applied, and they had to be rubbed and revived. And then they would again go again on the head, and again the fellow would go, and then again five six of them would, you know, sucka. So toxic. And in the Ramayana, which is again a very, uh, I'm finding it's a very ecological text in so many ways. In the Ramayana, it says that the side of the mountain, whenever it came in contact with Vasuki's breath, because it was moving, you know, it would get singed and burnt, and all the trees which were on the mountain, which were, you know, still alive, because the mountain is a sub, you know, an ecosystem of its own, and probably it was raining and it was a rain-fed forest on the mountain, and all that would start burning down each time. So, you know, once you know. All the outer edges of all the trees uh, surrounding this mountain were all burnt to a crisp. Nothing could grow because of this fellow's toxic breath. And then the and when he breathed into the ocean, then you know 500, 600 fish would go belly up. It was that toxic. So fainting asuras, belly up fish. Killed vegetation. This was what was happening on one side, and the other side, the devas were happily churning. They were tired. They were upset, but the show had to go on. Sixty thousand years later, you know, slowly some bubbling, some bubbles in the you know thing, and that's why it is called Kshira Sagara because that churning action. Brought on all this budbuda, pena, everything to the top. Is uh, what was that mean? Uh, ah, froth, and then bubbles, bubbles and froth to the top. And then what happened is that it looked like milk because the constant journey 
brought out all that. That's why it is called the ocean, uh, milky ocean chair. It wasn't milky, it was very dark and turbid. So then after 60,000 years of no activity, constant journey, things slowly started to happen. Things started to bubble up to life and certain many, many things came out after that. What all came out? Huh? What came out? Yeah, Airavata is confusing because he was already on Airavata. Who can Airavata come out? Huh? Kalpatar, Uchai Shravas came. Yeah, Uchai Shravas came. And, um, you know, and then so whenever things came out, immediately there would be a fight between Devas and Asuras. I want that, I want that. I want that. And then so, Devas were not very nice here. They tricked them into having all bad things and they took all the nice things. Yeah. Uchai Shravas was immediately claimed by Indra because Indra immediately said, the one who can tame this horse, it's his. And naturally the Asuras could not tame him because they could not tame themselves. What else will they tame? <laughs> ah. So then it became Indra's because the, uh, Indra just talked to it softly and it sat down and it did whatever he did. He told it to do. And so he was the master of Uchaishravas. And uh, you know, and this is something said in the Bhagavad Gita. Uchaishravasam. Ashwana, out of these, uh, all the horses, I am this horse. And so, like this, then what happened? Kamadhenu came out. Remember, we talked about Kamadhenu this morning? Kamadhenu came out. Huh? Kamadhenu, uh, yeah, that, that happens in the end. Yeah, we don't go there yet. A few, all other small, small things, let us see. So, Kamadhemunu, meaning the wish fulfilling Kama. Again, she had to be commandeered and commanded by someone who is essentially free of desires. What fun is in that? Yeah. The person who is free of desires doesn't need this. But still, it's of only use to that person who doesn't have desires. Meaning, it's used for the Loka Sangraha, public good, not for any selfish reasons. So Kamadhenu went to the sage. Of course, it cannot be given to the Asuras. You know, because it's of, it's of no use. It won't even give milk. It's like that. <laughs> Let alone fulfill wishes. It will not even give milk. So what is the what is the use? And so Kamadhenu went to the sages. And then, uh, you know, Kalpataru came. Yeah. Kalpataru came. Another same, same concept. And for the same reasons, it went to what? You know, those two can be in the one category, wish fulfillment. Went to the sages. And then this uh, tree with those uh, white um, orange stem flowers, Harijatha tree, you know, apparently came from there. Although we have another tale uh, with that as well. Yeah. So, Harijataka came from there, some people say. And some people say that Lord Krishna planted it. Yeah, in such a way that uh, both the wives were happy. So he planted it in Satyabhama's yard. She was very happy. And then, uh, but then he made it lean over to Rukmini's yard and all the flowers fell there. <laughs> so, you know, you, you can't catch him, you know. That's why he was all buttered up in the beginning. Because even his own mother uh, and all the other, all the 
what's that you know uh, all the, uh, the gopis i was going to say the saptamatrikas of his time they could not catch and even when he grew older you can't catch him and if satyabhama complained he would say but the tree is in your yard if rukmini complained market where the tree is let her water and maintain you enjoy the flowers <laughs> why you have to have this fertilizer and miracle grow and all this thing like few pruning and cutting all it you just enjoy you just have to shake it all of them fall yeah and both of them are happy same thing when duryodhana and arjuna both went to him he did the same thing. sent both of them very happy Duryodhana came first, but he made the mistake. What was the mistake? He stood at the head, ah, because he wanted to get ahead. That's what happens. And Arjuna respectfully stood at the feet because Krishna was taking a nap. And when you're lying down, what when you wake up, what do you see? You see what is right in front. And so he saw Arjuna. <coughs> I was here first. Duryodhana made a coughing sound. and then you know yes what i saw arjuna first <laughs> you may be have been here first and he knows lord krishna knows they are not here for chai and biscuit you know <laughs> they are not here for that nobody has come to hobnob with him they want something both of them want something he knows and then what happened he said i saw arjuna first so he gets the first you know chance that's the only time in his life duryodhana prayed all oh, the rest of the time he was praying he knew only how to pray p r e y upon people sentiments possessions everything yeah so first time he p r a y e d and then what happened he prayed why what did he say he said let uh, yeah he said let uh, Arjuna, no, that's not what he prayed. He said, "Let Arjuna not ask for the army, Yadava army, Yadava army, which can only self-destruct and destroy one another. Nobody else can destroy this. Up to this day, in Indian politics, that continues. Yeah, <laughs> only one Yadava goes against another Yadava, but uh, no one else can unseat them. Yeah. Ah, that's what is happening. We we see that." we know how we don't even need shraddha we just see indian politics we know this is true this is proof right here you can see immediately so then you know when what happened is that uh, you know arjuna did not want the army and he said no i just want a non fighting krishna by my side that's all i want no i will not fight you will have to make all the decisions okay no problem i just want you and Duryodhana was waiting to exhale, and of course he asked for the army, and Lord Krishna said "Tathastu," and both arch enemies gave a group hug to Lord Krishna and went away happy. This is Krishna's, you know, amazing. So the Parijata tree was was planted in such a way that it was really a plant. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's called plant. Yeah, and uh, so. the parijata tree three came and some small small uh, this is according to mahabharata some small small devatas came you know like these devatas that go around and say uh, 
yes yes huh? no no that later on but these are small small devatas ke yeah they keep saying tathastu 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 that's why we have to be careful what we utter thoughts have power actually they are, they are our own affirmative power that is deified into gods and goddesses these tathastu devatas that's all they are they just keep saying yes so be it so be it devatas so some of them came and then various other exotic plants and herbs and everything came plus there was one more miracle happening because the herbs on the, this is again in ramayana very interesting this whole uh, story the herbs that were there on the mountain growing under the shade of trees with the uh, with the vega the speed with which the churning rod was constantly moving they got discharged and fell in the salt water and then some kind of you know aushadha started to get prepared a herbal concoction that also came out ah but of course until nanvantari uh, came they did not know this then that the twins and nanvantari they uh, explained what was happening but on this side of the one side of the ocean which was darker than the rest there a powerful herbal concoction was going you know going on and so like this so many things were going on so many things came and then you know and then what uh, yes like uh, but before that alakshmi ke yeah aka jeshtha yes jeshtha means what elder elder one came and she is described as with all negative qualities all negative qualities and she is described as someone who is uh, not very nice to look at you know virupa as we saw in the uh, in where ah so as we saw in the rudram class virupa disfigured and disproportionate having a big belly but small neck very interesting full of uh, you know rife with explanations of all kinds and then wearing red colored garments and then the devas were very nice when she came out and they said to the asuras would you like this damsel <laughs> please have her and uh, you know so then uh, you know again there are many many versions finally she ends up being uh, uh, married to a sage called dussaha dussaha means difficult to tolerate so i guess it was a great match because <laughs> because you know because even though he was known as a sage he had some problems many problems nobody he didn't have friends and it's very clear why because he was nobody could tolerate him probably he was angry he was difficult he was jealous he was gossipy who knows and we can just keep on extrapolating but this you know this uh, lady got married to him and uh, you know and dussaha uh, finally said i cannot tolerate her you know <laughs> nobody can tolerate me but the irony of this is i cannot tolerate her he went to mahavishnu and complained what to do 
Now the question is, why did he complain? Because this Jeshtha, aka Lakshmi, Lakshmi means splendor. So the word Lakshmi means tejas, ojas, splendor, brightness, and the resplendent self. She is the name for the self-shining Atma, Lakshmi. And this Lakshmi, you know, when you negate the word, you put a to negate, and then what happens? A Lakshmi. Don't think, okay, a Lakshmi, how many other Lakshmis are there? No. It's not the the English article a, but it is Alakshmi. Alakshmi means the opposite of splendor, opposite of abundance, opposite of prosperity, opposite of accommodation, opposite of compassion, opposite of dharma, everything opposite. So she was wedded to scarcity, poverty and uh, what else, you know? Scarcity, poverty, and uh, everything adharmic. She was the, the, the harbinger of fear. She would stoke fear in every heart. And she was the mistress of Daridya. Daridya means Daridrasya Bhava. Yes. You know, like scarcity of thinking, poverty of you know, action, everything. You know, so this is what she was. And so, no one could tolerate Dussaha, but he also could not tolerate her. Because, despite Dussaha's fault, he still liked going to Harikatha. He still liked going to Pujas. He still liked going to Satsat. But when he took her there, to these places of spiritual religious abodes, you know, a sangha of other sages, assembly, sabha of other sages, she would throw a tantrum. She was visibly disturbed, physically, mentally, emotionally disturbed. And she would throw such a tantrum that, you know, that the assembly had to be disrupted. And she had to be taken home and put on some, you know, what? Some uh, sedative. So that she just is calmed down completely. This, this happened again and again. And then, you know, he told Mahavishnu, I don't have a married life because I'd like to take my wife to these satsangas and places I want to enjoy with her. What else? Why else am I married other than to get this companionship? I want to enjoy. I want to have some fun. I want to just go with her to all these places. But whenever I go, she shrills, she shrilly cries, screams, throws a tantrum and then what does she do? She is just completely out of line. She closes down the assembly. Pretty soon everybody starts to throw things at one another because they are all disturbed. She is so disturbed. She, she is not only disturbed, she causes disturbance. And then what happens is that, you know, she, we have to bring her home. And, you know, give her something to sleep. And then, you know, Vishnu being fair, heard her side also. What is wrong with you? Why you don't go with it? These are nice things. Satsang is good. Music is good. All these wonderful things are good. Why don't you go? And you know what she said? She I just don't like those places. Well, who are you? Why should I give you an explanation? I don't like it. And if he forces me to take, uh, to go all these places, I will throw a tantrum. 
Yeah, and if you start talking about Bhagavan, I will, you know, meaning yourself, I will, <laughs> you know, I will say a few things to you also. So then what happened? Nothing happened. So then he told, he called Dussaha aside and said, take her to only places where people are already gossiping, where people are afraid, where people are stoking their fears, in their fears. And then all of them get together and the fear is, becomes a conflagration, a fire of conflagration. So take her to all those places, she'll be very happy. And she hugged Mahavishnu and said, Thank you, Vishnu, you are cool. You, you understand me. When Mahavishnu says, Yes, you I understand completely. <laughs> you are you belong only to such places. And so then, so that was Jeshtha Alakshmi. And then after that, who came? Lakshmi came. And when Lakshmi came, you know, what did she do? You know, before even Vishnu could look at her and say, Oh, I think I will choose her. Lakshmi herself went. She was tired and she went and took a nap on the chest of Lord Vishnu. Such a sweet, uh, you know, action. He just said, Okay, this is my abode. And she went to his heart and stayed there. That is the story. And then Vishnu, as a result, becomes even more benevolent, even more powerful, full of whatever, you know. So Lakshmi was never gone. Lakshmi was always in his heart. But the separation was because of what? Lakshmi's appearance. This is how we have to understand. More about that later. We'll just get through the story and then come back. And then what happens? Then what came? Hmm? Dharmatri comes afterwards. Before that, huh? yeah, all the nine kinds of gems came. Navaratnas came. Kaustuha was one of them. Correct. Nine kinds of gems came. All kinds of wonderful things to eat came. This herbal decoction was brewing for 60,000 years. Wow, very nice. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Chandra and Surya also came, they say. And, uh, you know, Surya did not come. Something connected to Surya came. Was it Chaya or was it the, what is the other wife's name of Surya? Huh? Yeah, one, one of that, one, one entity connected to Surya came, one consort. And then Chandra came, very good. And then, you know, let's not forget the most important thing. What came? Ah. Alakuta, Malahala, poison. And up till now, what was happening? The, the water was getting polluted and the fish were going belly up because of Vasuki's breath. The Asuras who could not be destroyed by anyone were, were uh, you know, frequently and regularly fainting because of Vasuki's breath. Correct? And the flora, fauna, vegetation of the mountain was all killed because of Vasuki's breath. So toxic. When Hala Hala came out, Vasuki himself painted. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to be revived, not with a hanky because he was so big, you know, five, six uh, tenthral bed sheets had to be tied together to, to you know, what is that? Wear him out of this. 
talk how toxic it is yeah vasuki who was the cause of the destruction of everything himself poor thing painted and had to be revived oh no no you cannot paint and just the ocean water they took sprinkled on his head and then they prayed to lord shiva vishnu said i am not touching it this is not my department you call that other fellow yeah let him do some work <laughs> always i have you know he owes me one because why i saved him when he gave that boon to basmasura remember yeah and what is the first thing basmasura wanted to touch his head ah i saved his head and many times i have saved him because he keeps granting boons to all these asuras who who stand on one leg for 5 minutes and play some veena like ravana and then you get all these boons he owes me one so let him talk and of course you know he is able to drink that and he he drinks it on the uh, when the dwadashi and trayodashi meet in the evening at 5 o'clock and that is why it is called pradosha this is what is pradosha this is a pradosha katha and then so he drinks it and of course he doesn't drink all of it uh, what happens shakti comes and puts a hand a protective hand on the throat giving him the epithet of nilakatha the blue throated one because the poison gets you know what is that neutralized and localized you know in a certain way because shakti reigns and shakti is not somebody other than him it's him itself his own shakti like ardhanarishwara the feminine aspect the creative aspect can neutralizes the poison and then after that anvantari comes uh, and uh, brings the pot of what anvantari then they abandoned poor vasuki mountain sinks into the ocean and then what you know and that also in the ramayana is described like all the animals cry when the mountain goes into the ocean because they are still alive they are still there and they all are you know they are you know there is a lot of akrosha there is you know there is anger fear confusion all kinds of things and all the asuras line up first Give me. How many come? Yes, sixty thousand years. What else? I mean, this is not free car labor. You know, this is not free labor. Mufat me. You know, no. This was already a pact. And Indra looks at Vishnu. You know, because Indra is helpless. He cannot do anything. And he says, I already promised. I don't know what to do. He says, I am there. Vishnu says, I told you not to promise. You are too late. Now they are all sitting here with their mouths wide open, with their hands outstretched. We have to do something. Help. And uh, you know, Vishnu takes on the avatar, becomes an enchanting woman. That's why she is called Mohini. Yes, from book to delude, <laughs> in the sense of deluding. Mohayati, you know, and uh, so this delude, this deluding damsel, you know, comes, and the the sad part or the difficult part, the dangerous part, is that the asuras already had the pot of amrita in their hands, and they were not giving it. 
they were strong these people were weak so what to do here and so she distracts them you know moves nicely come on boys i'll give you it'll be even more tasty coming from my hands and they could not disagree with that because she was so beautiful so enchanting they all went with her and she quickly served the devas and then disbarred the asuras from entering this place one fellow entered ah ah rahu entered an asura named rahu donned on the dress of the devas and entered you know like a, you know what is that fox in the sheep's clothing you know we have that story the fox came huh huh yeah this guys camouflage first instance of camouflage so like the fox entered the sheep's pen looking like a sheep and then managed to eat all the other sheep just like that this fellow entered and then a little portion was served to him it in his mouth also swallowed a few drops also then chandra and surya saw him he said ah imposter get him out get him out and then sudarshana chakra came and cut off his head but since he was immortal because he had taken a few drops then they say that the body fell on earth and the head became part of the solar system and since chandra and surya had outed him he keeps chasing after them and tries to grasp them that's why it is called grahana shadow planet now this ketu is the part of the body that fell on the earth and then because it was also had a few drops of that immortal elixir then they say that he also started to circulate later but this seems like a later interpolation because none of the puranas has it i think it is there in mahabharata and ramayana so i don't know if the ketu is not discussed at all though only the rahu is discussed and the other story is that and when this decapitation took place blood came and fell on the earth and wherever rahu's blood fell it nourished a certain vegetation you know what it is garlic ah garlic that's why we do not eat garlic ah it uh, nourished it, it it brought it new species was born with rahu's blood touching the earth when the decapitation took place and so this is the evolution of garlic and so rahu stands for deceit anger so many things and so uh, so the garlic makes it a very uh, the, this story makes garlic a very unfitting uh, what is that food for spiritual uh, quest yeah it is very tamasic and rajasic this is what the whole thing is so now that you have seen this story which is this beautiful allegory because you see the ocean is the unconscious the unconscious mind in the freudian sense 
and what happens in the unconscious mind you know we don't know what happens because it's a storehouse psychologists like freud and carl jung and all what do they say they say that it's the storehouse of early childhood pains fears and all kinds of you know unprocessed emotions this is what's called the unconscious mind that's why it's called unconscious because we are not aware of it what are what is the, what are you aware of you are aware of the conscious mind you know, i mean i want to eat i i like this person i don't like this person i want to drink i want to go here i want to go there no i i think i won't go here all these things is in, is in part of the conscious mind then there is something called the subconscious mind like sometimes you dream things you didn't even know that oh my god i never knew that i really dislike this person because in the dream you gave them a beating yeah <laughs> nicely you gave them four five with a, you know with some stick that was available yeah some danda was available and you let them have it and then you wake up and say that is a very excessive reaction you are not too fond of that person but i didn't know i carried this kind of a thing so that's subconscious because somewhere you are aware that you are not fond of this person but then you don't know the extent of it thank god there is the dream because certain prarabdha plays out in the dream ah so because in the dream you, you will not get the papa of beating him correct ah which is a good thing very fantastic way to exhaust prarabdha that sometimes people are crazy dream sometimes one dreams that one is falling off a cliff that is good some fear is being worked out and strange dream is kara vasa you know like you know you are in a prison you are uh, you are imprisoned and that is also if there is some kind of a jail prarabdha which is it is uh, you know remedied through exhausted through the dream of course you wake up exhausted but that's okay it's still <laughs> it's still worth it then what you know so the dream you know exemplifies the subconscious even deeper than that deeper not in terms of location but in terms of understanding even deeper than that in the deeper recesses of the mind there is something called the unconscious why the mandukya karika gaudapadacharya who was the you know grand guru of adi shankara knew and talked about this you know so kashayam vijaniya know the mind to be with kashaya don't confuse with kashaya kashaya means orange robes opposite of kashaya kashaya means sludge no like thick sludge so kashayam vijaniya kashayena sah vartate that the mind is always with this thick unprocessed sludge it is there ayyo you know what to do i have an unconscious everybody everybody has an unconscious you be conscious of that that's all <laughs> you know what should i do to remove it nothing to remove it ishvara srishti what is the unconscious is a storehouse of pain sorrows anger fear unprocessed emotions why is it there because otherwise you wouldn't have grown up you wouldn't have been you know able to do whatever you have done in your life why did it all get suppressed to the deep mind because the child is unable to process the pain to process the sorrow to process the fear that's why it is pushed deep down and the mother says to the child are you happy the child pretends to be happy yes 
you know especially when the child is when the child is put into kg even before it weighs a kg this is the fashion these days you know you know before until 5 years old nobody saw the face of a school nobody saw school school etc the child just you know, played with other children at home or with its parents caregivers parents grandparents but now hardly 2 years they put it somewhere you know and then what isn't it and then they are worried it won't get social skills you know look at your grandparents aren't won't they have social skills look at the great grandparents won't they have social skills they are all fine they know how to talk they know how to relate you don't need to go and uh, sit in a uh, play school at 2 years old separated from the mother because the child the father when all the caregivers and everything the child starts to think it can only think one thing i must have i must be bad that's why they are banishing me which is why we that for this reason started a school in south india on the outskirts of chennai because they said and he said if you are addicted to these play schools fine only thing is somebody has to come with the child either mother father grandmother grandfather and he arranged for them to do have some chanting classes in the next room he put one person there to teach and this child would be in the other room and all it was so frequently it would just go make sure mother is there make sure father is there grandma is there somebody is there it would come back and play that's all they need they need a reassurance but if it's not there then the unconscious becomes very heavy i'm not wanted i'm not loved all these you know this is what the whole thing is but if it has these emotions it cannot grow up at all it there is a big deterrent to growing up you know and then you know what happens is that it is just not able to grow up and then what happens it is uh, it will just be in shock like the deer in the headlights so therefore bhagavati who maya mother maya utse nice blanket maybe that's where the term security blanket came from this is the first security blanket in which she separates the child from the pain so the child doesn't know the pain it is kept in reserve later it will come out when it is you know after 60000 years of churning <laughs> the churning means leading one's life you know battling and conflicted with conflicted ideas asuri vrittis are there daivi vrittis are there and the two are having it out in the psyche after many many years of going back and forth which shall i follow which shall i follow etc etc and then so then after that it you know then after that it is ready to be processed ready to be processed processed means what you can't get rid of it it's ishvara srishti bhagavat srishti so what do you do you make it toothless yeah toothless so like in one version of the this uh, churning story they it, they they say that so that the asuras are not bitten by vasuki what they did was that you know inside the bamboo what is that called pith bamboo that's there is a spongy thing so they took bamboo and then encased the front fangs of vasuki <laughs> so they did that to make it non toxic so that the toxins won't come but its breath itself was so bad 
they didn't even uh, you know but that just provided so that it would not kill them that's all it was so like this all the toxins are just kept in a, in abeyance you can't get rid of it you have to do what lord shiva did what did lord shiva do neutralized it uh, integrated it so this is seen nowadays in uh, psychology they talk about all this inner child work etc this is what it really is these are all truncated children and this inner child should be copyrighted because the first inner child is at the foot of lord dakshinamurti first inner child depiction it should all be copyrighted everything they get from us only and then they you know write books and become famous <laughs> what do you see at the foot of lord dakshinamurti uh, apasmara the one who haunts through memories that's the meaning of apasmara bad memories <laughs> and what what is this this is the unconscious at first go it looks like a child it looks like a small baby and then you go closer it has mustache it's got a mean ferocious expression on its face and in one hand in some versions it's carrying a snake and a what is that called khanga horse uh, yeah sword in another more common versions shield and sword because they go together Field defensive, sword offensive. This is what is there within. And the Shivamurti's all knowledge is the teacher. So the foot of the adult, you know, the foot of knowledge, wisdom, just sits on, you know, the Lord's foot sits on this upper spot. He, H E E L H E A L, both. And and then what happens? and then you know there is that separation between the adult and this first you know adimaha inner child yeah this is the original inner child so the adult and the inner child the, the cause of all pain and sorrows according to the story and we'll come to lakshmi at the end and according to the story the, uh, the cause of all pain and sorrow is identifying with this inner child the inner child you have to be able to look at with a little space the space of wisdom that is why he follows it but doesn't identify with it it is still standing there here blue separate it is there but it doesn't afflict any more shiva means auspicious so the inner child of the unconscious mind in the form of the inner child is one over by auspiciousness and what is the most auspicious thing atma gnanam without any competition atma gnanam is the most auspicious thing. and that is what here is being talked about that shiva stands for atma gnan parvati is the shruti that gives atma gnanam she is mother shruti and all you need is the gentle hand of mother shruti on all the pains and sorrows and it stops right there it stops afflicting you the moment shruti touches your life very beautiful you know really awesome and full of very very deep meaning you know and then so then what happens then you know 
only after the horrible things come about, you know, like Jetha, Hada Hada, then only Amritam can come. Amrita is, of course, the fruit of Atma Vidya, carried by the healer Bhagavan, Bhagavan in the form of the healer. Bhava Roga Bhishak. Yeah, Bhishak means what? Vaidya, doctor. Doctor of what kind of fever? Fever of samsara. Samsara jvara. Yeah. You know? Samsara itself is the jvara. That is what it is. So, this bhava roga means the disease of becoming. Becoming what? Something or the other. First, you want to become an adult because nobody wants to be a child. When you are a child, you want to become an adult. When you are an adult, you don't want to grow old. You know, this is all this thing. Then you want to be a child. Because we very, you know, we have to say to all the jivas, make up your mind. What do you want? Do you want to grow up or not grow up? So, like this, you know, it's a confused jiva. First of all, I don't want to be a child. The child always says, if the child is turning 10 years old, he will say, I'm 15. When it is 15, it will say, I'm 18. Yeah. When it's 18, it will say, I'm 21, for obvious reasons. <laughs> so, you know, like this. And then, you know, so, and then after that, what? You know, you are, I want to be the best. East or West, I want to be the best. I want this job. Okay, you got this job. Are you happy now? What do you want? I want a promotion. Okay, you got a promotion. Are you happy? No, I want another job. I have outgrown all these opportunities. You know? No outgrown, only grown. That's all. Yeah. Spell G-R-O-A-N. Just groans. And of this content. Then you want to become, then the person want to become something else. Then after that becoming, another becoming. Becoming, becoming, becoming. Never happy, never satisfied. Never, you know, the person can never say alam. Alam means what? Enough. No, never, you know. No jiva can say enough. So in a way, everyone is anala. Yeah. Even though we say fire is anala because after eating one forest, it says, okay, give me more. It doesn't have any, you know, problems in terms of appetite. But everyone here also is anala in the in the in the jagat because one is not able to say enough. So this is the this is what is called bhava roga, and this causes great consternation and discontentment because there is a lot of pain over here. I mean, what is the pain? The pain of being, uh, you know. Sick all the time. Heart sick. This is what is called heart sick in English. Sickened by everything. Being very, very sick. Being in pain. Being in fear. This is the constant. And so, you know, Dhanvantari is the uh, doctor of this disease of samsara. Where every single thing afflicts, where every pain, every sorrow, everything afflicts. 
Amrita is the fruit of the study of Veda. Atma Jnana is, is in the form of this pot. And only the deserving candidates can get it. See that? That's why when the Asura sneaks in, he is not able to get it. He, is, he has to be taken out because that's why every Upanishad says, you know, don't, you know, idam na tapaspaya na bhaktaya kadajana. Don't give this to a, a non-bhakta. Don't give this to somebody who hasn't had some introspection, some tapas, some austerity, some discipline. Don't give this to somebody who doesn't have shraddha. Don't give this to somebody who just basically bad mouths Vedanta because this is not, they are not ready for it. Don't waste your breath. Don't waste the teaching on them. Let them be. Nambuddhi bhedam janaye ajnanam karma sangina. So those who are addicted to doing this, that or the other and who don't know this knowledge, let them be. Let them continue to do, just encourage them to do good things, that's all. Encourage them to follow dharma. So then, what is the, so what happens? So he cannot enjoy the knowledge because immediately Bhagavan, you know, decides otherwise. But he is immortal but cannot enjoy immortality. That is the thing. And then the undeserving, you know, qualities got this, you know, half-baked knowledge. And what do they do? They threaten to shadow in the form of an eclipse. They eclipse the, they threaten to eclipse the luminous bodies, Surya and Chandra, which is representative of the Atma. Self-luminous and, you know, so this is Atma, Brahman, Chandra, Surya, and Chandra is the mind, lit by the, the, the Pratibhimba of Brahman. What is that? Indirect light, but still it is the light. And so it eclipses the mind and one goes back to the Asuric ways and all the inner children, inner demons come out. And then that's why the, the way to this, out of this quandary lies in the personas of Jyeshtha or Alakshmi and Lakshmi, this particular contrast. With Lakshmi, Alakshmi, what do you have? You know, we have all the wrong practices and the wrong ways of being. And then there are wrong ways of being, scarcity. You know, getting into a tantrum when you are in a satsang. Anything good, the person gets fever, allergic to everything that is, that is self-fulfilling. Anything that is helping the, the person, the person rejects. That's why she's got a thin neck and then she has a huge stomach. Huge stomach means what? What means hungry? Thin neck means even if you give food they cannot swallow. Oh, they're never full. In Vietnam they have this concept, hungry ghost. So I asked somebody, you know, what is this? Even in Cambodia, all those places, even in Singapore they have it. So I asked somebody who's from Singapore, what is this hungry ghost? And he says, well, it's hard to explain, it's kind of a concept, but also it's like those ancestors who, who have died away very discontented. I said, what do they look like? I said, no, no, all of the hungry ghosts look the same. I said, how do they look? They have big bellies and a needle throat. See, very interesting. 
same concept is that forever hungry cannot feed themselves even if you give them food so the jetha uh, stands for the concept of self sabotage just uh, you know cutting the limb on which you are sitting and then you say ayyo i fell down what is the use ha ah. so this is this self sabotage is what is jetha scarcity you know you you marry scarcity and then what happens you know then all the time you feel like i don't have i don't have you you can try this you know not for too long maybe a day you know <laughs> i don't want to risk it so <laughs> so you can try telling yourself i don't have i think you know i'm just not loved i don't have anything and nobody cares about me and then after 5 10 minutes you start believing it as uh, especially call up a friend and say that they will or then you have a support group uh, everybody believing in it you know crying crying you know you go and crying crying you come out and then you wonder darshan kab doge how will he give darshan you know <laughs> this is what the whole thing is and so therefore this uh, this scarcity is 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 uh, you know when you are wedded to scarcity it reproduces itself in in certain uh, folk versions jeshtha has children yeah eldest one is called poverty you know like that uh, agyanam poverty and some other things you know uh, bad behavior and one five six boys she has horrible fellows all of them and so this is what the whole thing is if the, if the offspring of scarcity you know, what what else can it be other than fear and sorrow those are the twins of jeshtha so jeshtha also means elder meaning this has been around for a long 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 time this has to be remedied and and uh, you know that's why jeshtha and alakshmi this is mental scarcity it doesn't matter how much or how little money one has if the mental scarcity is there there is always fear that's why how to get rid of jeshtha you know give her a corner to stay how to give her a corner to stay you know by filling the inner house with lakshmi with the light of abundance prosperity this one has to do one has to fill it that's why she went and slept inside vishnu's chest inside his heart why because all that you know uh, all the qualities that she likes are godly qualities so if you want to entertain lakshmi you have to be vishnu vishnu esque and what is the literal meaning of the word vishnu you know uh, this this means it is it is, it is all all everywhere all pervasive so all pervasive means accommodative that is what abundance is accommodative not of his smallness wherever there is smallness alakshmi creeps in she is called the elder sister that's why she is called jeshtha she is also called jeshtha because she is there for a long time she precedes lakshmi so lakshmi is the antidote that's why we pray you know shut pipasa shut pipasa hunger thirst mala you know and then 
that is jeshtha and you are also known as alakshmi alakshmim nashayami aham i am taking the steps to this is shri suktam is not just to get money anybody thinks that you know is not understanding the whole thing this is for chitta shuddhi it should be chanted nashayami aham means i am making the resolve to get rid of this today now every day i am making the resolve to just completely get rid of what is called alakshmi i am getting rid of her in my life and then you know you are welcome oh lakshmi and i know you can only come when she is not there these are like the shadow twins you know one is there only when the other is not there they will never be seen together they don't like one another why because they are opposite how how can you know they say opposites attract but i think that's just in one some context of teenagers dating but in no other <laughs> in no other context we can say opposites attract not in vedanta you know so this is what it takes it takes one to unleash a course of self growth to fill oneself up with the light of compassion accommodation prosperity now you try the opposite exercise just say i have more than enough look at how blessed i am look at all the things i have look at all the people i'm surrounded by look at all the wonderful things that have happened in my life you start saying that you will you will see the truth of it and all this was there in our shastra long long ago from the puranic times and now you know you read this uh, what is that called self help psychology and it will say practice gratitude you will feel better this lakshmi is gratitude if not it doesn't they not say gratitude but it's definitely an attitude of thankfulness if that is not gratitude what else is there it's an attitude of grace it's an attitude of knowing that one has been grace because for every bad thing that has happened Maybe at least ten other good things that have happened are and are happening. But the human mind, struck by Rahu, this is what happens regularly. Caught by Rahu and Ketu, yeah, because that's Rahu is another head, correct? Yeah, and so when you think with somebody else's head, this is what will happen. You will lose your own thinking. This is why the the moon gets what is that eclipsed. This is how. when you invite lakshmi what she does is that she she makes sure that uh, you are on the right path in order to get to saraswati she paves the way she does he's not jealous of saraswati like some stories are, are made to believe no she readies people for saraswati for knowledge that is what the whole thing is very very beautiful and in order to keep lakshmi what do we have to do Three points. Remember in the Rudram class, who all has been yeah. taking the Rudram class? Nobody will raise their hands because they don't remember. Lakshmi belongs to Vishnu. First, yeah. Point number one: Lakshmi doesn't belong to you. She's not lying on your chest. She's lying on Vishnu's heart. Yeah. And so, as as long as you know that, she will be with you. If you forget that, what will happen? You know, she. If you think if you tie her up, she will go away. Okay, next point. Ah, uh, yeah. 
you, the more you give, not just money, money also. But no, and otherwise people will say, oh, I just have to give my smile. No, <laughs> money also give. Yeah, start with smile, graduate to money. Okay, yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, the more you give, the more will come back to you. Yes. That, you know, that's not about being a spendthrift. I didn't say the more you didn't say, you know, I'm surprised because I say something. I, I think I'll be very clear. And then it comes back to me and it's completely opposite. <laughs> you know, completely and totally opposite. How, why? It's a big mystery. I don't know. So, I'm not saying, saying spend all your money. What am I saying? Give your money. Give away to somebody in need. That's a different thing from spending. Spending means go to the shop. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, just like you told me, I shopped till I dropped, but uh, Lakshmi didn't come. <laughs> Lakshmi went to the store owner. Okay, yeah. So it is about giving, it is keeping things in circulation. That's how Lakshmi comes. What's the third point? Huh? Ah, because when you say I don't have, I want, I am, I am a, you know, Kangala. If you if you say say like that, you know, Alakshmi will think it is you are whispering sweet nothings into her ears. She'll come running and hug you. She will lie down on your chest, and then you say I feel very heavy here. I don't know why. I'm having a sinking heavy feeling. So the whole ocean journey is a preparation. I, oh, we have to also talk about Kama Dhenu, Kalpa Bruksha, all these things, all these wish-fulfilling things. Is that, you know, there is no harm along the way to fulfill a few wishes. But to fulfill those wishes, you have to be a still a quali qualified student for Vedanta because <coughs> mind you, the Kalpataru and the Kama Dhenu only listen to sages without desire, who have transcended desire, who have mastered the desire. So, this, this whole thing is like that. So, you see, in and through the karma of journey, and this journey is basically gaining chitta shuddhi. Yeah. And the asuras will continue to remain asuras, but they are neutralized. Asuras again are inner uh, enemies. Kama, Krodha, Raga, Dvesha, all these things, Madhavatsarya, all these, Loha, Moha, etc. These are all these negative tendencies. And, and in our mind there is a conflict and then one has to work to overpower them before one can be presented with the secret of this knowledge. Hari Om Shri Guru Gaurav Hari Om